The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's one and only public radio source for weekly news tips, techniques, and strategies to help you get on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. And you can join the legions of real life real estate fans by friending us up on our Facebook page at realliferealestateradio.com. Over 5,300 folks from across the country have liked real life real estate and get their weekly dose of real estate education through the program live or the podcast. You can get information each and every week by just going to realliferealestateradio.com and clicking the like button. What we'd really like, though, is to see you be on our email list by going to askvena.com. Why? Because so many of you out there are missing out on the live Real Life Real Estate show from 5 to 6 on WMKV-FM here in Cincinnati because you just flat out forget about it. And that means you can't answer your question, ask your questions live, which means that I get an email five days later for my guest saying, hey, what do you think about so-and-so? And of course, you know, we're not on the air anymore. So if you get on our email list, not only will you get weekly reminders about the upcoming program, the topic, and a useful article for your real estate business, but you'll also be kept up to date on other educational and real estate events and news happening throughout the year. I know many of you are struggling to find the right education, and you're certainly going to get more information about that when you join our email list by going to askvena.com click the try venas e-letter button give your information and we will keep you in the loop about all the good things that are going on here on real life real estate at wmkv and throughout the area and the world again that's askvena a-s-k-v-e-n-a dot com Now, today we are talking not so much really about real estate as about real estate finance and all of these defaulted mortgages that are out there in the world and how you can profit by buying them. Yes, I said buying defaulted mortgage, buying mortgages where no payments are being made. Oh my gosh, how in the world can anybody make money? 
from this? Well, that is what Jane Sheets is here to talk to us about today. Jane is a real-life real estate investor. She's the founder and owner of Homes Around the Corner LLC. She's got over 20 years of real estate experience, and she's been a full-time real estate entrepreneur since 2009. Jane, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you for having me, Vina. Uh, really appreciate you being here and especially talking about this uh, sort of unusual topic. I know you are in this defaulted note mortgages day, uh, the defaulted note, defaulted note mortgage is good, defaulted note uh, business day in and day out. But it is, uh, it's a business that although there are, there are quite a few folks who are learning about it and taking advantage of it, it's, it's just not something that most real estate entrepreneurs know anything about other than from the point of view of they get calls from sellers all the time whose <laughs> whose mortgages are defaulted. So let, let, let's start with the real basics here and, and uh, talk about what a defaulted note is and, and how it comes to be. Sure. Well, a defaulted note is simply a mortgage on a property that's no longer being paid. Uh, perhaps uh, the borrower on the property has run into some sort of hard times where they've lost their job, they've had an illness in their family, um, sometimes the property owner uh, passes away and s consequently doesn't make the payments anymore. So a defaulted mortgage is simply one in which the payments are no longer being made. Now, again, as, as, as folks who are more real estate people, more focused on the properties themselves than on, than on this financing that we're going to talk about, we hear that all the time. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> half the sellers who call us are either in default or are about to be in default. And many times what we hear is, I don't just have one mortgage. I have a first mortgage and, and a, a second, second mortgage <laughs> and sometimes a third mortgage on top of that. And sometimes a tax problem. <laughs> exactly. So uh, when we're talking about investing in these defaulted notes, are, are, are we talking about first position notes, second position bo bo uh, notes, both, either? Both and either. Uh, a first position note would, would typically be the first mortgage on the property uh, that the borrower obtained when they purchased the property. And then a second position note might be a home equity loan or uh, some other instrument that they've uh, gone back and gotten more money. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And just to, just to, to, to sort of, um, again, we're, we're, we're always trying to expand the minds of our listeners here. Uh, when we think about defaulted notes, we normally think bank. <laughs> you know, think it, you know, the bank is supposed to be being paid. They are not being paid. Those are not, um, banks are not the only owners of these notes. Right. Uh, very often they're private uh, entities, private uh, companies, uh, single individuals, sometimes they're family members, um, but the vast majority are owned by banks. And so, you know, one of the important things is we expand our minds and move from the thought of being property-centric is to be finance-centric, is to put ourselves in the chair of the banker and say, okay, what are my options and how can I change the situation? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Short sales have been a huge topic, of <laughs> course, in the real estate world over really about the last 10 years. It hasn't, it hasn't just been since the crash of the real estate market. And 
uh, these days when you talk to people about short sales, they are um, largely negative about them. They largely say, oh, the banks don't want to work with you. They, they, they're not taking the kinds of discounts they used to take. It takes forever and ever to make a short sale happen. And they're, and they're very competitive. And uh, people are right. The banks are, are, you know, they're not real estate folks, and they're moving them forward very slowly. And sometimes it takes months and months and months to get them closed. That's really hard on your cash flow and your planning if mm-hmm. you're running a business. Mm-hmm. And that's assuming you can get them closed at all. Correct. <laughs> and, yet, <laughs> and yet you are dealing with, with some of these same banks, e- either directly or indirectly. And really, you're dealing with the same situation, which Absolutely. is there's, there's somebody out there who isn't paying their mortgage. But the big difference between what, what the way you would think of that note and the way the typical real estate person would think of the note is they are thinking, how do I pay it off at a discount, thus getting the property? You're thinking, how do I control the the note itself at a discount and thus, in a sense, control the property, but really not immediately? Right. It's... it's uh you have to step back and, and, again, not think property-centric and not think about how to pay off the note, but how to be uh, financially-centric. And remember that that note is tradable just like a piece of property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and and banks do that all the time, of course. I mean, sure. I don't know how many how many times I've gone down to the corner bank, gotten a mortgage, and then three weeks later I get a piece of paper that says, don't pay the mortgage to us, pay it to this other bank that we sold. Your new mortgage sold. holder is. <laughs> exactly, that we that we sold the, the note to. So, so that part isn't... Uh, isn't unusual, although it may be unusual in the experience of uh, many of our listeners. But but here's the bottom line: when you buy that that debt, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about the details of that, you end up being the bank, which means now you're the one who's not getting paid. So I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you get this question a lot: what in the world attracted you to the idea of buying debts that people weren't paying? Well, I, I first became interested in um, notes because it's a, a way to participate in real estate without the day-to-day issues of taxes, insurance, landlording, and property maintenance. It's a, it's a really sweet way to be an investor. Um, but then when I found out about defaulted notes and I found out how easy it is to purchase one and then work with the borrower to actually work that out as they go through their situation. Um, and I looked, there's a tremendous financial opportunity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're going to come back to where that tri- uh, uh, enormous financial opportunity comes from after this break. We're also going to take your questions via phone if you're in the greater Cincinnati area at 513-772-9658. If you're listening to us online and you're not in the area, call us toll free at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Jane Sheets, and again, probably lots of listeners going, who the heck is Jane Sheets? Why does she get to be on the radio? Well, again, here on Real Life Real Estate, we're making a big push to talk not to the gurus, but to the folks who listened to what the gurus said <laughs> and went and did it. Uh, because, I mean, Jane, like like everybody else in every other strategy, you have been intensely trained in this <laughs> and and have spent money and time. Uh, getting that done, but the important thing is you you picked it up and ran with what you learned, which 
you know, let's face it, 80% of the people out there who go and buy a course probably stick it on their shelf and never look at it again. But there are big rewards to uh, making that happen. So let's um, just to sort of super simplify this process for our listeners. Um, Let's imagine that Mike here is in default on his mortgage. I was going to use myself as an example, but that was too depressing. So, <laughs> so, so, so Mike here is in default on his mortgage and he, he bought his house in 2006, very top of the market. And he paid 300,000. He rolled his closing costs into the loan. <laughs> he, he got a no money down deal. He still owes 300,000 five years later. And now his house is only worth 200. I mean, that's a fairly common scenario. I'm sure that you deal with every day. So Mike's bank decides that for for whatever reason, and boy, we could do a whole show on just that, but for whatever reason, they don't want to foreclose on Mike. They just want to sell the loan and let whoever buys it do whatever they are going to do. So you step in at that point and you purchase Mike's loan. One assumes for significantly less than its current $200,000, the the current $200,000 value of the property which would be a lot less than the $300,000 unpaid balance. Right. So the unpaid balance being 300000 is one of the first things that we look at on that note. We also look at uh, the interest rate that he's paying, um, how long it's been since he actually made a payment. Some homeowners will be making partial payments. Some will have only missed a few. Some will have not paid for many, many years. Um, and then we look at the property value, 200000 and we look at what are we willing to put into that investment to make this deal work. Mm -hmm. So we start from the bottom up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And let's just say that Mike's property, uh, someone was trying to negotiate a short sale. Um, That property might go for, what, 70% of the 200,000? Sure. On a defaulted note purchase, we're talking about um, values an investment that's significantly less than that. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the most attractive parts of this is that, first of all, you're not negotiating a short sale. You're not looking at, um, you know, an REO property, but you're actually working with that situation while the homeowner is uh, hopefully still in that property and uh, at significantly lower amounts than what you would have to pay pay at a short sale. Okay, well, let, let, let's just throw a number out there. And we're not, I mean, one of, the, one of the disadvantages of being on radio is we can't have a whiteboard and we can't, <laughs> we can't walk them through the math and say, get out your financial calculators. But let's just throw out a number and say that, that uh, you offer whoever this note holder is uh, $70,000 for that note. How does that affect Mike? I mean, he's, he's, <laughs> he's living in this house. He's not making payments right now. He owes 300000 He's sitting around going, I'm not making those payments because I would just be stupid. Why, why, why? <laughs> I mean, I'm already behind. My credit's already ruined. Why would I make payments on a $300,000 loan on a $200,000 house? Sure, and Mike has some great points there. Um, however, Mike is still obligated to his original <laughs> note. <laughs> but, but as the note holder now, we have the power of the pen. And we can sit down and we can talk to Mike and we can understand his new job situation and the fact that his wife is no longer ill and now she's working as well. And we can say to Mike, what is it that you can't afford? And we can change the principal owed. We can change the payments. We can change the length of term. This is a lot of relief of stress. For, for the borrower. Um, they may have been sitting with this cloud hanging over them for several years, 
and all of a sudden they finally have someone ready to work with them and ready to make this situation something that works for everyone. And I think it's I think it's very common in situations like this where where you know you paid seventy thousand dollars for this note. It's the the property's only worth two hundred thousand. For you to go back to Mike and say, look. I, I see what the situation is here. You would be <laughs> stupid to make payments on a $300,000 note. Let's make it a $170,000 note. I mean, uh, serious principal reductions that, as you said, really do take this whole black cloud away from, from the whole the whole little martini family. I mean, they get, to, they get to stay in their house. And now they get to pay something for it that makes sense as opposed to what happened five years ago when they didn't know the market was going to crash and they didn't know that the, you know, maybe the six month adjustable loan wasn't the great idea <laughs> in the world. And um, my, my, my question when, whenever I, whenever I think about this is why the heck aren't the banks doing this? Well, I think, um, you know, it takes a lot of real estate knowledge and it takes a lot of, it, it takes a lot of personnel time. And the banks have volumes and volumes of paper on their desk. They have case files stacked on their desk. And they, they may or may not have the specific knowledge needed to know exactly what to do. And they don't necessarily have time to sit down with every homeowner and figure it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, and I can tell you, if the bank started taking big principal reductions, I would stop making payments on all of my properties immediately. <laughs> I mean, there's, I mean there's, there really is a sensical reason that banks don't want to take principal reductions themselves because it would it would lead to massive defaults by people hoping to get principal reductions and yet in in this way in 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 selling it to private selling mortgages to private folks such as yourself and and hedge funds who deal with these things and so on uh the sellers are getting relief through the private market as opposed to all this government stuff that's been going on where they've been trying to... Right, absolutely. And remember, the the banks were under a number of, of different rules and regulations due to uh, the TARP funds. Um, that has now passed. Then they were in a lot of um, litigation for robo-signing, and that has now passed. So... You know they've they've had a number of hurdles to get through, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Fannie Mae has pretty much put its foot down and said we're not doing principal reductions, right. and they hold like sixty percent of the loans in the United <laughs> States. So we're we're not going to see this right, uh, and institutionally, and we're not going to see it. We're not going to see a bailout for homeowners from the government. This is their bailout. You are their bailout. You and all the folks like you are the bailout for these owners. And uh, I consider the the owners to be very lucky if their mortgage gets sold to a private individual. Absolutely. They have a chance of actually working it out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... You bought this mortgage for seventy. You work it out with Mike that he's going to pay you one seventy. You did okay. Absolutely. I mean, we don't we don't even have to calculate what that return is. Right. It's not the it's not the six percent face rate on the mortgage. It's Correct. something very 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 much higher than that. <clears throat> what happens if Mike can't work it out? Because I, I I'm sure sometimes you sometimes you knock on that door and they say, oh look, you know, our life has changed so drastically. We couldn't keep living here no matter what you did. Right. Perhaps they moved across the country with a job change. Perhaps uh, they moved in to take care of an elderly parent. There are all kinds of reasons why homeowners will just not be they'll not be performing ever on that mortgage again. Uh, in in that situation, you can absolutely work with that homeowner to, homeowner to do a deed in lieu of foreclosure. Or in some cases, it may be quickest and simplest just to foreclose. That cleans up the title, cleans up the taxes, cleans up any other liens that that are on the property. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Very good. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. If you have questions for Jane Sheets about this strategy of buying defaulted notes, you can call us toll-free at 877-772-9658, or you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Jane, this sounds so great. I mean, and and the numbers that we're, quote, making up here really aren't that far off of reality. No, the, you, you did a great job picking the numbers. <laughs> so there's, I don't know, 20,000 short sale courses you can buy, and there's yes. 100,000 wholesaling courses and ebooks and so on. Why do you think that this is not a better known strategy in the real estate world? Well, I think to some extent, it, it, you know, the, these strategies have been around for a long time, but they haven't been mainstream. And now we're seeing more and more properties being released with uh, these defaulted mortgages. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just still an emerging market and people are beginning to learn about it and beginning to engage in it. We're also seeing a lot of private investment money going into this particular market. Mm -hmm. Yes, with returns like those, it was bound to attract Wall Street money. And it yes. has. Mm -hmm. It has. There are several large hedge funds out there that are um, buying these things. And I mean, not, they're not just buying Mike's loan. They're buying $100 million worth of Mike loans. Yes, they'll, they'll buy an entire pool of, you know, three to, high, three to 500 loans and then parse them out into smaller and smaller pools. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So how big do you think the market is? I mean, it just makes, I think it's just going to make natural sense to listeners that this is a pretty widespread market. It's all across the country. It's not just residential properties, it's also commercial, it's, it's also high commercial. end, it's mm -hmm. low end, it's, it's, it's everything. Any clue how many properties we could be talking about here? Well, if we just look at the residential, uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association says there are about 5.7 million delinquent or foreclosed or properties that are delinquent or in foreclosure. Would you like a piece of that? Wow. <laughs> 5.7 million. That's a, that's a pretty big number. So yes. something that, something that is worth, um, learning more about and, uh, absolutely, uh, um, looking into. And, I, and, and I'll tell you, another reason I think that people kind of shy away from this is they, they think it's very numbers heavy. They think it's, I got to whip out my financial calculator and I got to right. figure out the internal rate of return on, come on, folks, if you're buying a note on a $170,000 house for 70000 do you really need to get out your financial calculator to figure out whether that's a good deal or not? I think the, the thing is, is that the important strategies of real estate investing still apply and always apply. You know, if you look at the vacant property down the street, um, and we all have them in our neighborhoods, and, you know, if you drive around within 50 miles, you're going to, you're going to find them. That's how we know there, there's still plenty of inventory out there. Um, but if we, if we take those basic principles of real estate investing and we don't want to put more capital in than what a property's worth, uh, we want to be sure to have a good return our on our investment and uh, we want want to manage our risks on that property. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you want to learn a little bit more about what we're talking about uh, this evening, Jane is going to be the early speaker at the Cincinnati RIA meeting on June the 7th. You can get more information about that right now by going to CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. She's going to be giving some examples, and I'm sure there will be numbers, because you'll have... <laughs> there you'll, will be numbers, or there have, will be pictures. That's right, you'll have, you'll have slides and, and, and whiteboards, and of course, 
Uh, anybody can attend that meeting. Uh, just check it out at CincinnatiRia.com. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Jane Sheets. She's a local investor with, with 20 years experience in all sorts of properties, but recently has been focusing on purchasing defaulted notes for the purpose of either rehabilitating them or, if it comes to it, acquiring the property at a deep discount. And uh, just as a just as a disclaimer, Mike is not, as far as we know, in foreclosure. Just, just, <laughs> just, just. It was so great you know. to let us use his, him as an example. <laughs> oh, he didn't. He didn't have a lot of choice. I mean, I don't, I don't know what he what he really could have done about it. Short of, well, he does have the shut off button for my microphone, so I guess he's not as helpless as. Uh, as, as I might be putting it out there. Uh, if you have a question about the strategy of buying defaulted notes, any question, give us a call toll-free at 877-772-9658 or send an email to askmina at gmail.com, as did Mark from Chatham, New Jersey. Mark says, in the example being discussed, would the bank would not the bank have sold the mortgage to Fannie or Freddie, assuming it is conforming a conforming note, and thus not be able to able or willing to negotiate the sale of the note to Jane. So in other words, his thought is when all this happened back in when did we say oh six? Is that when we, was that when Mike bought his house and overpaid for it? <laughs> uh, it? Maybe it it originated with Joe's Corner Bank, but then it would have been sold to one of the secondary market buyers, Fannie Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, within just a, or out where uh, uh, Mike lives, probably the you know the the, the USDA or something. Uh, it would have been sold within a few weeks, generally, to one of the big uh, uh, secondary market buyers. And I think the question here is. Is it not the case then that you, can, you Jane, cannot negotiate with Joe's Corner Bank because they're just servicing it? You'd have to somehow get to Fannie or Freddie, and of course that's a problem in itself. Well, yes, absolutely. And but remember, a lot of uh, mortgages were not sold to Fannie and Freddie, and you know there are a lot of uh, there were a lot of smaller banks, and there are a lot of mortgages that were not conforming. Uh, so all of those situations apply as well. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you you can correct me on this if I'm if I'm wrong, Jane. But I know that uh, at least Fannie Mae is selling packages of bank of properties they own of 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 REO properties out to these Wall Street hedge funds who are then people that you could deal with. They're not they're no longer owned by Fannie Mae. Are they doing the same thing with their mortgages? You know, I don't know, and that's a great question, and we can come back and ask and, and find that out. Yes, we can. We can absolutely find that out. Um, here's a question from Archer in Georgetown, Ohio, and I and I and I uh, probably should have known this was coming because this is a very uh, common piece of confusion for real estate folks who are used to the idea of the way you get the houses you pay off the mortgage. <laughs> He says, the thing that I don't understand about the example with Mike is if she only paid $70,000 for the property, how does Mike still own anything? Is the mortgage not wiped out when she buys it? Right. Let's uh, just back up here a minute. Uh, Mike remains the owner of the property. The bank is the owner of the note, uh, the debt secured by the property. So um, that then becomes a security that can be traded um, sold um, or changed. So the bank has traded that piece of paper, not the property. So what we're talking about here is uh, paper transactions 
And that's a really, I'm really glad he asked that question because it's a really significant difference, the difference between owning a property and being responsible for the taxes and the insurance and maintenance um, and and lawn mowing. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And being the banker who receives the payments Mm -hmm. every month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so big market, um, lots lots of potential deals out there. Yes. Now that that doesn't mean that I mean, not not all banks will sell their loans ever to anybody. Some of them would, for again various reasons, some of which involve the way they are insured. Right. Uh, they'll always foreclose before they before they will sell the note and. It's not the easiest thing in the world to call up one of the mega banks and say, "I I want I want Mike's house at one two three Easy Street. I want I want you to sell me that note." And although I'm sure they get that call every day, uh, that's not generally the way that they operate. No, mostly the way that that this market works is that, as we talked about before, a pool of say 300 to 600 notes. Um, will be sold to a large investment entity such as a hedge fund. And then that pool gets broken down and sold in smaller parcels. And that's where the individual investor can absolutely uh, come into the the stream of of notes. Okay. Uh, Just received a question via Ask Vina, and I keep flipping back and forth between my questions for you and other people's questions for you. Uh, this one is from John, who lives in Anderson, South Carolina. Uh, he says, what resources and strategies does Ms. Sheets use to find the most qualified defaulted mortgage properties? Now, John, remembering this is public radio, we can't actually say, oh, we'll go to go to this source or, or go to that source. But um, it, it, in a more general sense, uh, Jane, um, your your lead sources in terms of where are you going to find these these pools? Are they more individuals? Are they more small banks? Are they more the hedge fund type operations? For me, it's more the hedge fund type operations. And critical in breaking into this is getting to know the players in the field and um, and, and establishing some credibility um, by knowing the language, by understanding what it is that you're buying, by knowing how to do the due diligence, and um, having ready cash. Mm-hmm. So it's it's very important to be able to close a deal very quickly, and it's very important to be connected to the folks who are actually doling out the properties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, John, uh, uh, one word that I, that I can say uh, here on public radio, just because it's become a word like Kleenex is Google is a very useful thing. Uh, the, these hedge funds don't hide. <laughs> they're not. They're not sitting around going, "Oh, we don't want anybody to know that." Right. That, that we're because 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 the way in which they raise money to buy these is through private investors. So if you Google uh, defaulted mortgage funds, things like that, you what you'll find is pages where they are asking you for money, where they are saying. Well, they're not asking you directly because they do follow the SEC rules, but they talk in glowing terms about what it is that they do. And there's often contact information. But I need to second something Jane said there, which is you do not want to be calling them up and sounding like you don't know what you're doing. These companies are not so huge that they don't remember that some idiot called them and didn't speak the language didn't even know how to how to send them a letter of intent did did, we're not able to do anything uh and you don't want to get tagged early on as a player who isn't really a player so 
at spending some time, you know, educating yourself and going to seminars and understanding um, the area before you jump in is important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, John has a follow-up question, which, again, we unfortunately cannot answer. Uh, Can Ms. Sheets recommend specific courses on defaulted notes? (laughs) Ms. Sheets can absolutely recommend those. However, uh, she can't do it on the air. (laughs) So... Uh, John, I'll be happy to pop you back an email. And, and in fact, I think you are already aware of where she got her training because I think you and I, John, talked about this offline uh, a while back. So um, let's go Let's go back to the more general here, uh, Jane. I don't want every property that comes across my desk, even if the numbers make it work. There's there's particular kinds of properties and particular kinds of areas and particular kinds of situations. I would assume that you have a similar set of characteristics for notes you would be willing to buy. What What is your, in your opinion, sort of the sweet spot about th- this is what I want the note to look like and this is what I want the property to look like? Sure. Personally, I, I prefer single family residences, um, although other investors do quite well with um, you know one to four families or commercial properties. Um, even apartment buildings. Um, for me, I, I prefer single-family residences. I prefer them in the mid-range um, in terms of value, so not the low end of the market, not the premium-priced properties, um, because I like to be in that sweet spot where people move up and they move down and they always hit that middle-of-the-range property. Uh, for notes, um, I prefer them to be um, you know, a good interest rate. You know, again, the, the fundamentals of what you would look for in a real estate investment stay the same. You want good interest rates, the shorter time to pay the balance, you know, say a 15 versus a 30 year um, is better. Remember, once you have it, you also have the power of the pen. <laughs> um, so if it's a 30, you can make it a 15 with the borrower's agreement and, of course, certain... Uh, Right. You, you can even you can even give the, the borrower, you know, six months to catch up. Uh, you can do what you need to do with that borrower. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and do you prefer that the properties be owner occupied as opposed to somebody's investment property somewhere? Um, for me, I, I don't care about that so much, but a lot of investors absolutely want them owner occupied. They feel that the owner then has a, a greater vested interest in them. I also like to see something where owners paid for a while and then stopped paying, because at least if they paid for a while, they were invested to some degree. Okay. Uh, question from Aaron in Steubenville, and we don't worry, we were, we were going to get around to this, because I knew that this was going to be an important uh, uh, topic. He says, Jane gave the example of paying $70,000 for a defaulted note. Clearly, that's going to be out of the range of many real estate investors to come up with $70,000. And it appears that there is no property against which to secure this money. So what is a good way of raising money to buy these kinds of investments? And and, and he's right. This That's another thing that people got to disconnect the what they're used to doing when they buy property from what happens when you buy a note. When you buy a note, you don't own a property. So, so going to a partner and saying, right. hey, I'll... Uh, give, give me seventy thousand to buy this note, and you, I will right. secure your seventy thousand against this property. You can't; it's not your property; it's Mike's property. You, you own the stream of payments, is 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 one way that I like to look at it. And you know, you own payment number one, and number two, and number three, and number four, and so on and so forth. And you know, seventy thousand dollars. We use that particular example, but there are many, many notes that are priced um, in the ten to twenty to thirty thousand dollar range. 
and um, there are even some lower than that and some higher than that, obviously. But there are some great deals out there. Again, you're looking at that cash versus the stream of payments and what the property is worth and the unpaid balance. But to get to the real essence of the question is, how do you fund it? Mm -hmm. um, this is a perfect place to work with uh, that investor who is well-funded to create a partnership, an LLC. Um, hard money lenders are beginning to enter this space and are very active in this space. Um, 401k and other types of retirement. Um, there are companies out there that do um, this type of specialty investing. And if again, if you use the word Google and go out and take a look, um, they'll pop up very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so there are some, you know, so if you have retirement savings, if you know people with retirement savings, if you know other investors, if you know hard money lenders, um, if you have some cash in the bank, mm -hmm. you're good to go. Mm -hmm. And I've heard, I've heard, uh, Node investors talk about deals, as you said, in every range, including uh, uh, one fellow that we're, we're, we're both aware of who recently bought a property in the New York City area, and the loan balance was like half a million dollars, and it wasn't even that great a house. It right. was just it was just a house. <laughs> and th those sorts of numbers kind of blow us away in the Midwest. You know, oh my gosh, where would I, where would I find somebody with $350,000 to buy a half a million dollar note? The returns, when you do get out your financial calculator... The returns on those, even when you are splitting them 50-50 with your yes. money partner, are going to make your money partner very happy. They're a good deal will always attract <laughs> good money. Yes, they're, <laughs> they're, I mean, really, ser seriously, they, they, they start, and I'm, I'm talking about just his half, will start at 15% interest and go up from there. Now, again, as with every investment, there's risk there. Uh, something could happen to the property, something could happen to the borrower, you could end up uh, having to foreclose. I mean, there's there's all sorts of issues that you would need to disclose and discuss with your partner. But uh, the same folks who are doing private lending on real estate are the kind of people that if you know how to explain this to them, because you know what you're doing, right. uh, are willing to put money up for deals like this. Uh, we need to take one final quick break. And uh, again, listeners, if you have any questions, this is the time to send them in, not after the show is over. Askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com or 877-772-9658. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We're having a very animated discussion today about the topic of buying defaulted loans. And as always, uh, you know, we have like, by the time the weather and the traffic and Mike amuses people and so on, we have like 43 minutes to discuss a topic that Jane has studied for <laughs> years here. So uh, two things. Number one, go get yourself further educated. And number two, come see Jane at the Cincinnati RIA meeting on June the 7th. You've got plenty of time to plan. So even if you're coming from Louisville or Dayton or whatever, you can come and check her out. She's at the six o'clock meeting. There's more information at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. And of course, you can uh, um, have a chance to just d directly address her with questions as well uh, at that point in time. Uh, now, Jane, in, in a perfect world, what you would like to do before you buy this note <laughs> is you'd like to go talk to Mike. You'd like well, to knock, sure. you'd like to go knock on his door and you'd like to say, Mike, I'm thinking about buying your note. Tell me about your employment situation. Let me, let me see the inside of your house. Let me, let me, let me, let me really, really check all this out to see how completely Maybe safe I this could just is. even ask him if he could make a payment. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
sadly, it doesn't actually work that way. The due diligence here is a little bit different than Absolutely. it is when buying a we're property. At, when, when we're looking at a note, we're, we're bound by strict confidentiality. Um, there are things being shared about this homeowner that absolutely need to remain confidential. Their financial situation, um, what they've paid, what their what their payments are, what their unpaid balances. Um, some of that is public, but you know some of that is also private. And um, we cannot go and just talk to the homeowner, much as we'd like to. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of scary. I mean, how do you know that Mike's house is worth two hundred thousand dollars then? Well, again, it's just like any real estate investing. We can do a lot of due diligence around uh, just the public information about that house. We can get on the auditor's website in that, that county and look at it. We can look at the tax records. We can uh, get on some of the major uh, some of the major websites and look at what the house is valued at. Uh, we can look at recent comps using a realtor in, in the MLS. So um, there are many things we can do to take a look at what that property is actually worth. Mm-hmm. And again, very conservative offers. I mean, Absolutely. if you think it's worth two hundred, and you build in, build yourself in a risk factor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you if you think it's worth two hundred, and you're paying seventy for the loan, and it only turns out to be worth one forty. Well, we talk about the quick sale value, and we talk about the retail value. And the quick sale value is what would it take to actually get this property moved and for sale, uh, and sold in thirty days. Mm-hmm. And so when you put that kind of a number on that, that automatically builds some conservative conservatism in, into those numbers. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about the money. We've talked about how to get the money. Uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, your sort of favorite way of uh, buying these deals. In other words, what kind of properties, what kind of situations and so on. It's fairly common in the defaulted note business for people who live in high dollar markets to invest in these notes in places completely across the country because as you said there are 20 and 30 thousand dollar notes available uh here in the midwest do you personally do that and what if 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 not why not i have not moved to doing that yet that is absolutely in in my business plan to do over the next two years um, I think that when you start in a new area, you start with one foot on very solid ground and you put the other foot out and give it a try. And for me, that was doing something that was just a little bit far to drive to. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's not a house down the street, but it's not across the country either. So if I um, have to drive by, if I have to go do a door knock, I can do that. But, you know, my business plan is to continue to diversify uh, geographically, also into other price points. Um, and, and, you know, you don't want to have all of your investments wrapped up in a single geographic or a single type of property or with, you know, one entity. Mm-hmm. And now that you have completely scared the pants off of all of our listeners, <laughs> who again, being real estate, people are like, wait, I, I would buy a property in a place that I couldn't drive to it I in know. an hour or less. You're not buying the property, folks. You're buying the financing on the property. Let's 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 continue. Those checks to, go into the bank no matter what. <laughs> let's continue to keep that in mind. Um, lots of folks out there, for one reason or another, are no matter how high the rate of return is, that's not what they're after. They're after cash. Sure. Are there are there ways to to flip these things to turn them into cash? Absolutely. A, a note can be wholesaled, just like a property can be. Um, it can be brokered. Um, once you own the note and you have it reperforming, then you can turn around and sell it. Um, at that point, its value is much much higher. Um, you can also sell a portion 
of those payments. Maybe there are 360 payments that, that you have streaming in over the next so many years. Maybe you sell the first half of those to another investor and generate some cash for your next three deals. I imagine a $170,000 loan on which Mike has been making payments consistently for two years is worth quite a bit, quite a bit more, more than it was right. when there were no payments made. Right. For the, the key there is that we sat down, we talked to Mike, and we figured out uh, how to solve his situation and get that note reperforming. And then we connected with others in the industry to be able to, to broker that note. Jane, what is the hardest part about investing in defaulted notes? Well, you said something about having the pants scared off of you. I mean, you have to be willing to take a risk. You have to be willing to do the due diligence, and you just have to be willing to, you know, get past the seminars and the education and go out there and give it a try. And, you know, if you don't give it a try, yeah, you'll never succeed. What's the best part? What do you like best about what you do? Well, I love running my own business and having the freedom of, of what I do every day. Every day is different, and I love the ability to build an economic moat. Um, it's very different from having a job where if I get sick um, or I have an ill family member, um, my income stops. With real estate investing, my income is not how hard I work on a given day. It's not whether I show up at the office or not. It's about the smart investments that I've made and setting those up for the future. And that's what I love about it. Very good. Um we, of course, now have had a whole flood of listener questions because we're Great. three minutes from the end of the show, and that's just how so we the room roll here. <laughs> so the room will be packed on June 7th. <laughs> that's right. Here on Real Life Real Estate, we just always wait until the uh, last possible minute. Um, question from Michael in La Jolla, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to sort of sort this down to where... Um, I can ask it briefly, and of course, uh, in sorting it down, it's it's um, it's not it's being not brief. Uh, the basic question is, what is your profit goal, Jane, for a particular mortgage, and does that have to do with a return on investment? Always, we want we want to look at the return on investment. For me, I do have um, you know I don't want to put more than a certain amount of cash into any given deal. So um, that does define some of the some of the notes that I buy. Um, I'm looking for long-term opportunity, not short-term opportunity. So um, although you know I will broker notes and absolutely uh, consider that, I'm looking for long-term investment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And is there a particular? Uh, his question is really around: Is there a particular rate of interest that you're getting that you won't go? You won't look at a note that would yield below that rate. Well, I mean, if if uh, if we were to look at something in the seven to nine percent range, I can just go buy a property and and write a land contract on that. So, um, you know, I'm looking for significantly higher rates of return than that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and and we're running out of time here. I realize, but we've got a question here from Max in Linden. He says the thing that terrifies me about what you're saying is that in many of the states where I invest, it can take six to eight months to complete a foreclosure. This would be after Ohio I being invested. one of them. <laughs> yeah, so this would be after investing my seventy thousand uh, dollars. It. I have also heard foreclosure attorneys quote as much as thirteen thousand dollars to do a foreclosure. Can you comment on this? Uh, well, well, I would keep shopping around. <laughs> but also, it is, it is a strategy where you have to have some patience. You have to be willing to accept the risk. And uh, one of those risks is just time to work out the situation. 
And so if you think you're going to turn around and have it solved in 30 days and have your cash back out, you're likely to be frustrated. But if you're looking for a long-term strategy, you're willing to put some cash into it, you have uh, the cash flow to be able to take care of that for a little while, then the rewards are enormous. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jane Sheets, uh, real-life real estate investor from here in the greater Cincinnati area, going to be joining us at Cincinnati RIA on June 7th. We appreciate your time today and invite all the listeners to go to CincinnatiRIA.com and find out more about how to attend that meeting. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.